This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate scripture from religion, one verse at a time. Well, hello there, and thank you for joining me for the One Verse Podcast. I'm your teacher for this podcast, Jeremy Myers. Do you know what faith is? Do you know how to have faith? Do you know if you have faith? We're going to be talking about some of these questions today as we look at Ephesians 6.16 and about taking up the shield of faith. We're in this series of podcast studies on the armor of God in Ephesians 6 verses 10 through 20. And today we're talking about the shield of faith in Ephesians 6.16. Now, if you're enjoying these studies, I do want to invite you to join my online discipleship group. I have a course that I am building right alongside with these podcasts on the armor of God. And those who are part of the discipleship can take that course absolutely free. Uh, You'll get a, a, a free download of the book on the armor of God that I'm writing when you complete that course. Now, if you're not part of the discipleship group or you've been listening to this podcast for a while and just have not been able to join the discipleship group, I now have something for you. I've been dreaming about it and thinking about it and working on it for a while. But if you go to my website, redeeminggod.com, up at the top, there's a little place now where you can receive some free discipleship emails from me. I just put in your first name and your email address and press the little red button and off you'll go. All right, I'm going to be sending you about two discipleship emails per week if you join that email list, okay? Uh, also, that there's a way to do that at the bottom of every single post and page on my website. So uh, if you're not part of the discipleship group, you can do that as we speak right now. Now, by the way, if you are part of the discipleship group, You can get those emails if you want to, but I'm just letting you know everything I send out in those emails is already available to you inside the discipleship group. Those who get the emails are just getting sort of uh, a little flavor. Some of the PDF downloads and the MP3 audio downloads and uh, some of the other things that are available inside the discipleship group. So just a small bit, it's not everything. Uh, only those who are in the discipleship group have everything. So anyway, if that's uh, what you would like to do, sort of get an idea of some of the uh, uh, discipleship truths I teach in the discipleship group and the PDF downloads, the audio downloads, and some other resources, then you can sign up to receive two emails a week from me right now on my website, redeeminggod.com. Put in your first name and email address at the top or bottom of your post on any page on the website. And I will start sending those to you immediately. If you don't get one, if you sign up and you don't get one immediately, check your spam folder. Or if you're on Google, check your promotions tab and uh, it will be there for you. Okay, so with all of that in mind, let's get into our study of Ephesians chapter 6, verses 16. Okay, we're in this study on the armor of God or spiritual warfare in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. And we've already talked sort of about the battle briefing in which we sat down and we talked about uh, our battle foe and our battle plan, the commands and, and will for God, what we're supposed to be doing in this battle. 
against these spiritual hosts of wickedness. And now we are going to turn to Ephesians 6.16 and talk about another part of the armor of God. We've already talked about the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness and the sandals of the gospel. And uh, now we are talking about Ephesians 6.16, in which Paul invites us to take up the shield of faith. So uh, just like with the other parts of the spiritual armor, we will be looking at the shield of faith in three ways. We will be first talking about how it was used by the Roman soldiers in the days of Paul. And then second, we will talk about how this shield works for the Christian. That is what it is for the Christian and how it works. And then finally, how we can take it up and put it on as we go about our day-to-day lives as a follower of Jesus. All right, so those are the three ways we're going to look at the shield. Let's begin then with how the shield worked for the Christian. I'm sorry, for the Roman soldier. How the shield worked for the Roman soldier. There were uh, several types of shields that Roman soldiers used in Paul's day, and Paul uses the generic word for shield here in Ephesians 6.16. It's thurion. All right, and uh, there were two kinds of shields, though, that the Roman soldiers tended to use. The first uh, was the Parma shield. And the Parma shield was smaller and round and could be used by moving the arm around to defend the soldier uh, from whatever part of their body was being threatened. It was about three feet in diameter and was the lighter of the two shields. Now, typically when we think of shields, if we imagine shields as they were in medieval night, you know, Europe, uh, then we might think of this type of, of shield. But this was not the preferred shield used by Roman legions in Paul's day. Their shield of choice was the scutum shield, and it was larger than the, the smaller Parma shield, and it was nearly four feet tall and about two and a half feet wide. So it was taller, but also a little bit more narrow. However, it did weigh quite a bit more. It weighed over 20 pounds. It was made by gluing several layers of wood together, sort of how we would make plywood today. And uh, then it was covered with leather for extra protection and durability. Now, it wasn't a flat shield. It was somewhat curved so that the soldier could hide behind it if needed. Uh, This curve also allowed for rocks and arrows to be better deflected from the shield rather than hitting it directly. Uh, If the shield was flat, obviously, then a lot of the blunt force from rocks or arrows or whatever would would cause the soldier to expend more energy in deflecting that blow, and so they they would wear out more quickly. So the curve of the shield allowed a large percentage of that power to be deflected to the side, and uh, thereby conserving the soldier's strength. Now, due to the strength, I'm sorry, due to the size and weight of this shield, the soldier really wasn't able to maneuver it around very well. And so typically what would happen is once a soldier was in place, he would plant it on the ground and then sort of crouch behind it for protection while while darting out with his right hand to attack enemies with the sword. 
Now, remember, we talked about this previously, especially when we talked about the battle plan, where numerous times in these four verses, uh, previous four verses, Paul told us to just stand our ground, stand against the wiles of the devil, having done all to stand, remember? And this was the genius of the the Roman military. They would march onto a field of battle, and then the goal of once there was to, each soldier was to defend the small piece of land around them, a six-foot square section around them from any and all attackers. And the shield served as a significant role in this strategy. Typically, uh, the, 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 the Roman soldiers had another name for the shield. They called it, they often referred to their shield as the door. To a Roman soldier, the enemy first had to get past their shield in order to get to the soldier. Uh, And so the soldiers would often create a nearly impenetrable wall of shields against attacking forces. Sometimes the front line of soldiers would create the shield wall, allowing a second line of soldiers to thrust with their spears over the top of the shields at the enemy soldiers on the other side. This, uh, you know, then the shields could be raised overhead to create a barrier against arrows and rocks from above, and the soldiers could crouch under and hide under those shields if they needed to. So often, uh, when seeking to advance, now this is how they would do. They would advance onto the shield and in in, onto the field, and then set up into this sort of formation. But what if they wanted to advance across the field? Well, they would form a formation which was known as a tortoise or a testudo. The soldiers would gather close together in a tight-knit square group and or, or other shape, you know, just a tight-knit group. And then the soldiers on all sides would create a wall of shields. And then typically the soldiers on the inside would raise their shields above to protect them from flying rocks and arrows from above. It looked just like a tortoise shell walking across the field. And they could advance into almost any area of the battlefield with minimal damage if they did it this way. They can even go up to the gates of the city to start battering down or set fire to those gates uh, uh, by using this tortoise or testudo formation. Okay, so all of this allowed the individual Roman soldiers to work together as a unit. Remember, they were a band of brothers, as we saw in in verse 10, Ephesians 6.10, working as a unit on the field of battle, not as individuals. There were no lone ranger Roman soldiers. Okay, they were there to protect not only themselves, but also the soldier on either side of them. And the shield was a significant part of this. They would, uh, regardless of whether a soldier was right-handed or left-handed, they would put their shield on their left hand and the sword in their right. And the shield on their left hand was not just to defend themselves, but also to defend the soldier on their left. And then they would dart out with the their, their sword with their right hand in between a gap in the shield, and then be able to escape back behind your own shield and the shield of your brother on your right, because you are he's protecting you with his shield, okay? Sometimes these shields would even interlock in, in a way to create almost an impenetrable barrier. Now, one other feature of the shield was that it contained this knob on the front, and uh, which they could also use, sort of a, a steel ball, half ball on the front, which could be used to bash into the face or chest of an enemy soldier, which would then cause blunt trauma and maybe even 
possibly disabled enemy soldier. All right, so in light of all of this, Paul's choice of words in Ephesians 6.16 is actually quite interesting. He introduces the shield in a way that is unique from all the other pieces of spiritual armor. He says, in the New King James anyway, above all, taking the shield of faith. Now, depending on what Bible translation you have, it might say, in addition, or something like that. Okay? Uh, you know, and, and really, uh, that the idea of in addition sort of loses a bit of the force of what Paul is saying. Even, even the translation in the New King James of above all might not be the best. All right? Uh, Paul is not saying above all uh, in the sense that this is the most important piece of armor. Remember, as we've been learning as we go through this study, all of the pieces of the spiritual armor are critically important. Uh, if, if a Roman soldier went into battle without one of these pieces, he was at a severe disadvantage. He needed all of them, okay? So Paul is not saying the shield is the most important. No, uh, when he says above all, I think we could translate this as in front of all, all right? And, and that makes sense with how the Roman soldiers used the shield. Remember, it was the door. It was their first line of defense. It was in front of all the other pieces of armor. The enemy, if they were attacking, could not get at the Roman soldier until they first got through the door, got past the door, got past the shield which the Roman soldier was wearing. All right, so uh, this helps us understand uh, all that Paul is talking here about the Roman shield and their armor. Now, another thing that Paul says here about the shield is that the shield helps give the soldier defense against, Paul says, the fiery darts of the wicked one. All right. Now, these fiery darts that Paul refers to were the most advanced weapons in Paul's day. Archaeologists have discovered that some arrows and spears in Paul's day of the Roman soldiers and the enemies of the Romans had tips on the, on the arrows and the spears, which were made of combustible material. And they would light these, these arrows and spears on fire and then shoot or throw them at the enemy soldiers. And when they struck, they would explode. Uh, military forces sometimes often used hollow spear tips or arrow tips, which were packed with combustible material. And then when they hit, uh, they would explode as well and splatter and light on fire and burn. So uh, now this was before the days of gunpowder. They didn't have gunpowder. And so these weapons were ingenious and they could decimate enemy forces. You would shoot a bunch of these into enemy forces. They would explode. They would ignite people on fire. If they had shields, they would might even light their wooden shields on fire. And with these burning and exploding arrow tips and spear tips, okay? But Paul says that this shield is effective at quenching the fiery darts of the devil, the, the most dreaded and cunning weapons of that day. Now, these, these, these arrows and spears often came in too quickly to react to them. You couldn't hit them out of the, the air with your sword or anything like that. And remember, their shields are too heavy to maneuver around too quickly, even if you could see them coming at you. Uh, but Paul says, nevertheless, the shield stops them. How does that? Well, remember, 
The Roman soldier is basically hiding behind the shield. It is the door. And so nothing can get at the soldier unless it gets past the door. And that includes these fiery darts. So as long as you're hiding, Paul is saying, as long as the Roman soldier is hiding safe behind the shield, then they also will be safe from these fiery darts, these exploding weapons. A lot of times even uh, the Roman soldiers might, if they knew they were facing enemy that had these weapons, they might drape their shield in some extra uh, leather, which would be soaked in water water-soaked leather. Now, yes, it made the shield a whole lot heavier, but it would quench these fiery darts from the enemy that were coming in to attack them, okay? So, this is the shield and how it was used for the Roman soldiers in Paul's day. What then is the shield for the Christian? Well, as Paul says here in 6.16, the shield is faith. He calls us to take up the shield of faith. All right, so what is faith? Before we can talk about uh, taking up the shield of faith, we need to know what faith is. And the interesting thing about faith is we all talk about faith as Christians, and we think we know what faith is, but you ask people what faith is, sort of like the gospel, the sandals of the gospel that we talked about previously, a lot of people don't know what faith is, or how to have faith, if they have faith, or how to get more faith. You know, Jesus talks about great faith and little faith. Uh, You hear people talk about head faith and heart faith. Uh, Sometimes people say, if you really believe, then you will have works. Other people say, no, works have nothing whatsoever to do with faith. You know, true faith is shown by works. Okay, we have all these weird and strange and contradictory teachings about faith in the Bible uh, and in Christianity. I should say, the Bible itself isn't contradictory about faith. Uh, Christian teachings about faith are contradictory. You listen to one teacher and he'll say one thing, and you listen to another teacher and they'll say another. Now, I have written a whole book on faith. It's titled, What is Faith? If you haven't read it, I highly recommend you get it. Uh, It answers, tries to answer all of these questions that people have about faith and show you what the Bible teaches about faith. What is faith? Uh, What is great faith, little faith? How to turn your little faith into great faith? Um, Even the relationship between faith and works and so on. And so uh, that's all in the book. I don't have time to, to, to talk in detail in this study about faith. So let me just sort of summarize for you, to the best of my ability, what I teach in the book. All right? Uh, In the book, I teach that faith is a reasonable certainty about any truth claim or any statement of fact. Okay? So uh, if someone tells you that 2 plus 2 equals 4, and you agree, you know that that is true, then you believe it. You believe that 2 plus 2 equals 4. All right? So um, if, if someone says the sky is blue, and they show you evidence, and you can look up and you see with your eyes that the sky is indeed blue, then you know that the sky is blue. Therefore, you believe that the sky is blue. We could say that a synonym for belief or faith is knowing. All right, we have faith about something when we know it to be true. That's the definition of faith. What is faith? It is reasonable certainty about any truth, claim, or statement of fact. Now, I know, I know, I know, you probably have lots of questions about that. Most people think that faith is some sort of uncertainty. Well, you know, almost on the, on the uh, like faith includes doubt or something. I argue in my book that faith is the opposite of doubt. If you are doubting, then you do not believe. 
All right. So uh, I, I know they ha- that probably introduces a lot of questions to you, and I would just invite you, direct you to my book, What is Faith? It does explain and as respond to a lot of these objections in great more detail. Okay. Uh, but Paul tells us then that uh, the, the shield for us as Christians is faith. And so when we believe what God says, then we have faith in what God says. And Paul says that this is what helps us quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Okay, well, if the shield is faith, then what are these fiery darts? What are the fiery darts of the devil? Well, the fiery darts for the Roman soldiers were these, these, the greatest weapons of his day that would come in and completely destroy and set on fire the soldiers uh, who were on the field of battle. Well, in the Christian life, what does that to us? It is temptation, sin and temptation. Satan, the only tool he has, the only weapon he has is, is temptation. And we talked about this, by the way, when, uh, in the previous study on when we looked at our battle foe, and we talked about the tactics of the devil, how he challenges and questions God's word and tries to get us to fall to the three basic temptations uh, that he uses, uh, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Okay, uh, again, go back to that study to listen to all of that. But the fiery darts of the devil are these weapons, these temptations that he uses to trick and deceive us. And Paul says that faith, the shield of faith, is able to quench those temptations, uh, uh, put out, uh, defend ourselves from these deceptions of the devil. And this just begins to make sense, doesn't it? Because if faith is, 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 is certainty, reasonable certainty about some truth claim, that something God says, and Satan comes in with his deceptions, saying, as he did to Eve, did God really say? Okay, what is Satan doing? He's trying to deceive us and to raise doubt in our minds about something God did say. Right? So faith is the opposite of that. Faith is not giving in to the doubts. Faith is standing firm on the promises and truths revealed to us in Scripture. And so this just makes perfect sense on how the shield of faith can quench the fiery darts of deception from the devil. So that just uh, is what the shield is for the Christian. Let's talk finally then about how to take up this shield as a soldier of Jesus Christ. All right. Uh, now, before we do this, it's important to be reminded that just like all of the other pieces of spiritual armor, this piece also belongs to God. It, it, it originated with God. All of the pieces of spiritual armor that we have are from God, and they belong to him. They are God's armor, and they are given to us to wear. And uh, the shield of faith is similar, except with a small twist. For example, we read that Abraham, in Genesis 15:1, Abram believes God, and his faith was credited to righteousness. righteousness. And we're told in Genesis 15:1 that God himself will be Abram's shield. God will protect Abram as Abram places faith in God. All right, we find this same idea throughout the entire Old Testament. The basic concept is that God is our shield when we place faith in him. Uh, this idea is found 20 times in the book of Psalms alone. Over and over and over again, we are said, place your faith in God and he will be our shield. 
right? Uh, for example, in Psalm 76.3, we read that God breaks the arrows of our enemies because he's our shield. Over in Proverbs 35, we read that God is a shield to those who put their trust in him. All right, so the little twist here in Ephesians 6.16 is that, well, yes, this piece of armor also belongs to God. In reality, this piece of armor, the shield itself, is God. The shield is actually God himself. God is our shield. When we place faith in God, he acts as our shield. He protects us. He is the one who quenches the fiery darts of the, of the evil one. Now think for a second about what this means. Remember, uh, the shield that Paul has in mind is like a door. And no one could get to the Roman soldier unless they first got past the door. So what is our door? Well, our door is God. And what can get past God? What is stronger than God? What can defeat God? The answer is nothing. There is nothing that is large enough, powerful enough, strong enough to get past God when he has set himself to protect us, or when we allow, maybe I should say, when we allow him to protect us. Okay, So we have nothing to fear from Satan, from wicked men, from future events. God himself is on our side. God himself is our door. It's like Paul writes in Romans 8, 38 and 39, that there is nothing in death or life or among the angels, principalities or powers or things present or things future in heaven above or the depths below, nor any other created thing. That includes yourself, by the way, and anything you can do. Nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. He is our shield, and he protects us from all those things. Very similar to the image that Jesus provides in John 10 about the good shepherd lying down to be the door. Okay, What can get to the sheep inside the pen? Well, uh, you have to go through the good shepherd first. A lion or a wolf, whatever, wants to get at the sheep, they have to get past the shepherd. Jesus is our door, lying at the door, protecting the sheep inside the pen, just like what we've seen all over the scripture with God being our shield. Okay, So you say, well, that's fine, Jeremy, but temptations get through to me all the time, and I fall to sin all the time. If, if God is my door, then how come I still sin? Well, look, when temptations get through, okay, uh, when we get wounded by the fiery darts of the devil, this is only because... We have dropped our shield. The only way the fiery darts of temptation and sin get past the protective door, the protective shield of God, is when we are not properly believing in the promises of God, when we are not believing in what God has said, and that God himself and his ways and his will are better and stronger and better for us than the lies and deceptions that the devil is sending our way. Okay, When our shield drops, when we stop believing in what God has said and what God has given to us, it is then that we let our guard down, when we let our shield down, and it is only then that the fiery darts of the wicked one get through, get past our shield, because it's no longer there. We've let it down, uh, and then we get wounded and we sin. 
Okay, so the question then is, how do we take up the shield of faith, right? How do we take it up, make sure we wear it, and and make sure that we're we're, we're uh, walking around with it as we go about our day to day lives? Well, again, uh, since this is the shield of faith, we take up the shield by believing what God has said, what He has promised in Scripture, and the truth here is, is that the more we believe about what God has said, the more effective our shield becomes at protecting us from the fiery darts of the wicked one. The more we believe, the more our shield is up. The less we believe, the less our shield is up. All right, now, here's where the problem begins. Because, again, going back to this idea of what is faith, many, 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 many Christians sadly have this idea that faith has to be all or nothing. All right? In other words, uh, people think, well, I have to believe everything in the Bible or none of it. Okay? I have to accept everything the Bible says or I can't accept any of it. I have talked with numerous people over the past 10, 20 years of ministry, and even before that, when I was, uh, many years before that, when I was a high schooler and in college, okay, I talked with many people who, they said they wanted to believe the Bible. They wanted to believe that God exists, and they wanted to believe that Jesus gives eternal life to anyone who believes in him for it. But, they said, they just couldn't believe it because I just can't believe that Methuselah lived to be 969 years old. Okay, you see what's going on? They have this all-or-nothing concept of faith. They can't believe that Methuselah lived to be 969 years old, and so therefore, they have to reject the entire Bible. <laughs> um, or, you know, or that uh, creation was in six days. Some people just can't believe that. Or that an axe head could float, like we read about in 2 Kings chapter 6. Oh, I can't believe an axe head could float, so therefore, I don't believe that Jesus died and rose again. <laughs> Okay? You see how this works? It's because they have this all-or-nothing concept of faith. And it's really, really sad when people have this, because it does generally cause them to reject all of the Bible and everything that teaches, everything that God uh, is taught in, in Scripture. Okay? But the thing is, the truth is here, is you don't have to believe everything or nothing. Faith is not an all-or-nothing proposition. Faith does not work like this. It is completely possible to believe some, or even many, of the things taught in the Bible, while also being unsure of, or doubting, or questioning, or even not believing many of the other things taught in the Bible. Okay? Let me back up a bit. How do you become a Christian? How do you receive eternal life? You receive eternal life by believing in Jesus for it. You do not need to believe that Methuselah lived to be 969 years old in order to believe in Jesus for eternal life. <laughs> Do you? You can very much doubt that Methuselah lived to be 969 years old and still believe in Jesus for eternal life. You receive eternal life. You become a Christian simply by knowing and believing a few simple facts that are taught in the Bible. Uh, a few, few simple facts about God, a few simple facts about ourselves, and a few simple facts about Jesus. All right, we become a Christian by believing in Jesus for eternal life. And uh, the, the, our shield of faith strengthens as we build upon what we do believe by adding more beliefs to it. 
All right. Uh, in other words, our set of beliefs grow over time as we follow Jesus on the path of discipleship and as we learn and study and believe more of what God has revealed in the Bible. Again, I talk about this in the book, What is Faith? I talk about this spreadsheet analogy for faith I have that uh, has, has countless boxes, uh, cells, you know, on an Excel spreadsheet. Uh, and, and each one has a particular truth claim in it, which is either on or off. Again, I don't want to get into it. Get the book. But here's how this sort of works in our day-to-day life as we build our faith. What you need to do is begin with what you do believe and, you know, analyze that. For example, start with the idea, do you believe God exists? On the Excel spreadsheet of faith is a statement that says, God exists. Do you believe that or not? And if you do believe that, then you can build on that and say, well, if God exists, then logically, wouldn't God want to, you know, another truth claim, God wants to reveal himself. Do you believe that or not? And if you do, God wants to reveal himself, then another truth claim would be, well, God has revealed himself in the Bible. One of the ways God has revealed himself is in the Bible. Do you believe that? Do you believe God has revealed himself in the Bible? If you do, by the way, anywhere along this route, if your answer is no, I don't believe that, then you have discovered something you can study and maybe even pray about. And like, if you don't even believe God exists, that's your starting point. No, I'm not sure God exists. Fine. You can study and learn and read some books. You know, maybe even pray to a God you're not sure whether or not he exists. Say You can say, God, I don't know if you exist or not, or even if you are there hearing this prayer, but if so, reveal yourself to me. Guide me to the truth. Help me to learn. Okay, And, and this is how you can approach faith. You start with what you do believe, and then you build on that belief. You add more beliefs to that belief. And as you do this, you will, over time, strengthen your shield of faith. Um, there's lots of things that will be helpful for you in the Christian life uh, to strengthen your shield of faith. For example, um, uh, there's, there's promises in Isaiah that God knows your name. In Luke, we read that Luke 12, 7, that God has even numbered the hairs on your head. That's how much he cares about you. Uh, in, in so many passages in the Bible, we read that God has specifically and specially gifted you and I to have a fulfilling and satisfying life with what, what the Bible calls spiritual gifts. Okay, God wants nothing but the best for you in your life, and he plans to bring good things into your life. All of these are promises in the Bible. And if you believe them, then that is when you are putting up the shield of faith to defend yourself and protect yourself from the lies of the devil that say the opposite. So scripture says that God cares about you and has given you special gifts and talents and abilities so that only you can do what only you can do in this life. Devil comes along and says, no, that's not true. You're nothing special. There's nothing really interesting or important about you. Okay, that's a lie of the devil, and it completely contradicts some of the truths and promises that we read about in Scripture. Okay, so here's how faith works. Yes, you're going to have doubts. Yes, you're going to have uncertainties. Yes, it may be possible that you do not believe certain ideas or things taught in the Bible, maybe even large portions, chapters, books, whole sections of the Bible that you don't believe. Fine. It's okay. 
take what you do believe and start building on it. All right? Uh, begin with what you do believe and then start studying, learning, reading, listening to podcasts like this one, reading books. There's a whole series of books and podcasts called Apologetics. All right? Uh, Norman Geisler and a bunch of others have written all of these great books on apologetics. Just go to Amazon, search for apologetics, and you'll be able to find, find some of those. Josh McDowell has some great ones as well that were very helpful for me early on in my life. Um, but uh, these, these give evidences and help provide proofs that God exists and the Bible is the Word of God and that Jesus truly was God and Jesus truly did die and rise again. Okay, There are evidence, scientific, verifiable, historical evidences to help defend and prove all of these ideas, which can therefore allow you to believe them. All right, And then once you believe these things, you can build on these beliefs and start believing even more things that are taught in the Bible. All right? And as you learn all these things, you come to believe them because you see that they are true. And, and you're, as you develop this ever-widening, ever-growing system of beliefs, your shield of faith becomes ever more effective at protecting you from the fiery darts of the wicked one. The temptations and doubts that the devil shoots at you will be quenched by the shield of faith because he can no longer deceive you or raise doubt or even question or challenge what God has said because you know that what God has said is true. God as your shield will protect you from all harm because you are living by faith in the promises of God. This will allow you to walk by faith, to move forward by faith, because you know you are safe and secure in the arms of Jesus, as he has promised, because nothing can take you out of his hand. You will know that God is on your side, and that God will do what he has said for you. All of this helps you to move forward in your Christian life as a follower of Jesus, and your shield of faith is protecting you from all of the lies and deceptions and questions of the evil one. So take up the shield of faith. Believe what God has said. Then go forth with the certain knowledge that victory is at hand. This is the shield of faith. Take it up and move forward in your life. So that's the shield of faith. We looked at how it worked for the Roman soldier. We looked at what it is for us as Christians and then how to take it up. Now listen, if you have questions about this, that's okay. You can go to my blog, my website at redeeminggod.com slash Ephesians 6.16 and ask your questions in the comment section there. You can also reach out to me on Facebook if you'd like. I'm not super active on Facebook, but I can try to respond as I'm able. But one of the th other things you can do if you have questions is either join my discipleship group itself. That's going to be the best way. I give them priority as far as comments and responding to emails and notes on Facebook. Um because I just have too many. I can't respond to them all, so people in the discipleship group get priority. But if you're not able to do that, then you can get these new free discipleship emails by just putting in your name and email address anywhere on my website at redeeminggod.com at the top and bottom of every page and post. And uh, when those emails come, just hit reply to them. And uh, some of those emails, I, 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 not some, those emails get through to me and I can try, to the best of my ability, respond to those as I am able as well. Okay? So, hey, thank you for listening to today's podcast episode. We will be picking back up next week with Ephesians 6.17. So I hope you join us then. 
And remember, going forward, I don't know what it is you believe. I don't know where your areas of doubt and questions are. And that's okay. It is okay to have doubts and questions and concerns. Okay, fine. But if you want to grow your shield of faith, begin with what you do believe. Figure out what that is. And then figure out what you don't believe, what scripture you're told scripture teaches, and start building on that, studying on that, learning, seeking God's face in prayer so that you can build your shield of faith, grow your shield of faith, and have it up before you to defend and protect you in life. All right. Hey, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week in Ephesians 6.17. See you then. Bye.